Here's a very quick Q&A with patron-only questions. Uh, First, I'm going to hop into an email I got from patron Mark Mosman. This is in reference to the menu being posted for 624's Microstrop. And Mark asks, what figure wears the blue vac metal armor? Are you going to have gold metal armor for the new Micros? And are you going to do a stealth Micro? So let me answer all of those. Uh, In terms of what figure wears the blue vac metal armor, that's up to you guys. You can put them on any classic standard knight. Um, I do happen to think that the EPD trio look really great with the blue armor, so I highly recommend that. But, um, you know, I would pick up a few of them. You may want to customize some of the older styles with them. It's, uh, It's an armor color I really like and I think works on almost everything. In particular, I would think that the uh, original Royal Classic Knight might look really good with it. I actually haven't tried that out yet, but maybe I'll do that today. Uh, regarding his second question, are you going to have gold metal armor for new micros? Uh, no, no plans to reissue that. The, the gold electroplated was of course available with the very first series, Series 1, it, with the, uh, the brick, lime, and teal figures. Uh, I have no plans to rerun gold electroplated armor. Electroplated armor is very difficult to do. I actually only have half of the inventory I need for for the uh, blue electroplated armor, um, just because the failure rate is so high on that uh, process. So um, we will probably sell out fairly soon of the blue vac metal, um, and then there will be a restock later in the year. It's just sort of the nature of, you know, using that process. Now, moving over to the uh, Patreon Q&As. Brian M. asks, This may have been asked a while ago, but is Knights of the Slice at all inspired by Snow Crash? It always makes me think of Hero and his high-stakes pizza delivery. Uh, I did address this in a previous Distazapod. I've never read Snow Crash. I haven't read any of that author's works. I haven't read very many books in my adult years. Um, bit of a luddite. Uh, I and I, it, Snow Crash has been brought up to me after the creation of Nice of the Slice from a few people, and I've sort of refused to read it because I'm sure uh, it's going to sort of. It's probably a better story than my story of Knights of the Slice, and I don't want to be sort of influenced by that. Um, So I haven't read it. I do recognize that the idea of pizza delivery in the future is something that other authors have kind of expanded upon, and I'm just sort of avoiding it to, to, you know, prevent a tainting of my ideas or my creative process. Travis Goldberg asked, in a previous poll, you asked who would win in a fight, Old Knight or Device? Who do you think is the most powerful knight in each class? And can you rank each class of Knight of the Slice from least to most powerful? For example, Device Ninja Upgrade superior to a Vector Jump Upgrade. Boy, this is a really good question. Um, I I don't think I have the time to rank which style, which version of each style is the most powerful because I don't have a really good memory of which styles we've done. And it sort of blurs together with which styles are here but not released yet. And I'd have to sort of dig through the Wikipedia to, to come up with a formative answer for that. So I will I will happily rank the sort of, uh, you know, 
style by style what I think the most powerful is. And I would say that... Um, I would say that Classic Knight is probably the least powerful. You know, the, those outfits do have some cybernetic augmentation. But really, um, it is the wearer of the suit that kind of provides the power. And also the sort of diet of the wearer of the suit informs the powers and, you know, how well they uh, are sort of amplified. So I'd put that at the bottom. I think uh, after that is probably Desert Rat. Um, he's, he has almost no technology involved with his outfit or weapons or accessories, but he's a battle-hardened seasoned veteran so in terms of combat and a military mind he's going to be a lot sharper than a sort of classic knight who is probably just a salaryman from fred foods inc that you know lucks into a mascot or bodyguard position um after that i would say rift killers are probably very powerful they are they also have a sort of hive intelligence so on their own they're a bit dumb um, they are sort of just shells of armor that are controlled by microbial influences. Um, so, you know, Rift Killers have a lot of raw power, but they have very little intelligence. So, not, you know, not entirely, uh, I think, uh, the biggest threat. Uh, after that would be Vector Jump. Um, no, I'm going to amend that. After that would be Device Ninja. Now, Device Ninjas are as lethal as Rift Killers with a computer mind. So they they gain the edge in intelligence and possibly in terms of weaponry. You know, Rift Killers don't really use weapons necessarily. Um, so I would put Device Ninja above that. Uh, they are largely robots, so they do have the limitations that robots would have. You know, let's say maybe an aversion to prolonged exposure to moisture or water, um, the ability to have your circuits overloaded by electrical shock, things like that. Uh, then I would put Vector Jump at the top in terms of most powerful. So they have, um, and I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it, but the large gauntlet on their left side has the ability to cast energy into a sort of projectile, which is very powerful. They have the ability, although it's somewhat unpredictable, to travel through time and dimensions. Um, the suits themselves also offer a lot of protection from radiation and the high pressures of the deep sea and things like that. So, um, trying to think if I'm forgetting any any characters or styles, but I would say that that's the the lineup that I'm sort of uh, comfortable in, you know, doling out and making canon. And uh, yes, of course, an upgraded version is always going to be superior to the unupgraded version. So there you have it. Uh, Grimace asks, in a previous Q&A, you mentioned the Trilobite as an enemy to the Knight of the Slice that was in the works. Radicalized Snake Troopers bio mentions the Rad Snake faction worships the Trilobite King. Is there any information on this character you'd be willing to share? Uh, no. There's no additional information I'm willing to share. Uh, all in due time, it will become apparent. But I do applaud you, Grimace, for reading the bios on 
the uh, product pages. I think that is where a lot of our mythology will continue to sort of be exposed. And it's only for people that are gonna do the legwork and, and sort of uh, look it up. And part of the reason of that is I really, really love the storytelling of uh, From Software and, and the Dark Souls series or the Soulsborne series. Um, they don't beat you over the head with a narrative. They don't make you sit through half-hour cutscenes after every fight. Uh, they just sort of sprinkle the mythology in item descriptions. And so, in a world where we're oversaturated by interconnected cinematic shared universes and you need cliff notes to see every two-hour movie and... Um, you know, I'm kind of exhausted in the overexposure of mythology, and I like sort of leaving breadcrumbs for people to find. So that's uh, how we're going to do it. Uh, Adam Crone says, I would love a comic on the backstory and origin of the Device Ninja and his armor to give him some character. Any Device Ninja comic coming? Um, so if you're listening to this, you probably have already seen the Device Ninja comic that was uh, done art-wise by Josh Guerra, with colors by Siva Jack, and that does sort of tell the tale of Royal Knight and how he becomes the Royal Device. Um, I love doing comics, but uh, they take a lot of time and money, so I'll, I'll address that in a question a little further down. Kenneth West asked, do you favor Ultraman or Kamen Rider? I'm going to say Kamen Rider. I think you know, there's much more variety in the different looks and characters. Uh, Ultraman, you know, one Ultraman kind of looks like every other Ultraman. Although, they're both pretty great. Lucas Wardus says, There may be too many opportunities to ask you anything, and I'm running low on good questions. What's the best part of your week so far? What's the hardest part of your week so far? And are you excited for Toy Pizza Con in 2019? I can't stop thinking about Toy Pizza Con. I think this is going to be the greatest thing we've ever undertaken. So I'm very excited and motivated for that project. Um, hardest part of the week, I think, is dealing with, uh, you know, a sale and having everything ready and sort of dealing with people who are having trouble with the sale as it's happening. It's always kind of a, you know, it's an intense situation. Um, best part of the week so far, I think, is, uh, is that, uh, the sale went really well. And I gotta tell you, I have, I had almost no cash flow. Totally broke. I've invested so much in tooling that, uh, I really needed a strong sale. And it arrived just in time. So that's great. And I have you guys to thank. Matt Reed asks, is there any lore you can share about the upcoming Hypernight? Uh, no, there is not. Uh, part of the reason is I like to keep the stories close to the vest until it's time to share them. And even then, I don't really like to broadcast it. I like people to find them. And two, I don't know what the, <laughs> the lore for uh, the Hypernight is, which may sound odd, but I write a lot of the lore the day of the sale. And um, it's just kind of how I do things, and I think it... The pressure of getting it done has led to some really interesting interconnectivity. Um, 
I would point to the recent Device Ninja comic as a great example. I shoehorned in, or found a way to work in, the new Microstrop into the story of the world device, and it all came together beautifully, I thought. Cliff Uchida says, will you be making figure stands, action bases for the Knights of Slice figures? Uh, no, no plans to. No plans to add holes in the feet of the figures uh, to make them compatible with stands that are out there. The reality is the time it would take to develop and tool and manufacture a action figure stand, I could use that time to develop a, a new accessory, a new, you know, a new series of alternate heads. It's just not, it doesn't add enough value to sort of take me off of designing the actual toys and, and the core item that people buy. Plus, there's a ton of great options out there for stands and action bases if people want one. Yay, Bass, what are my thoughts on the future of Death Knight? What happened to him after he evolved into Cola Knight? I'm not going to answer that, Gabe, but I will tell you, he will get another chapter this year. And probably, even potentially this summer. We'll see how it rolls out. But uh, Death Knight, there's more story to tell. And uh, if you liked Cola Knight, I think uh, you'll be interested in where that sort of evolves to. Sam Lopez says, have you considered larger pieces of soft vinyl? I miss that Cray sculpt. Um, yes, I have. Uh, I don't know what our future with vinyl is going to be. I think it largely depends on how people react to, um, you know, the remainder of the 8-inch Mega Knight. If we sell through those completely and there's a huge demand, I would definitely consider Cray as the next vinyl piece. Um, I'm also experimenting with some vinyl manufacturing in Japan from a famous maker. If that project works well, <clears throat> I would certainly consider sending him the Cray sculpt and getting a quote at least. But uh, I gotta see if this guy can cross the finish line and what the uh, output sort of looks like. So it's within the realm of possibility. It's not a huge focus right now, um, but I would like to see that Cray sculpt happen for sure. So it could be on a shelf next to Hob. Uh, Paul asks, do you think the wrist and ankle armor pieces on Knights of the Slice have unused potential or is it too hard to deny a pizza shape? So I'm assuming, Paul, you're talking about like build potential, the, you know, the, uh, you know, when somebody sort of takes apart and repurposes it in a different and interesting way, you know, to, uh, create their own sort of creature or thing like that. Um, I, you know, the slice armor are pretty specific to the body of the classic knight, and there isn't a, a huge amount of sort of, you know, build potential. Um, <clears throat> I do think that the, the sort of forearm armor, I think, fits over a glio's peg. I don't know how tight the fit is. Um... And then also the head slice could be put into a female part of, uh, you know, like, say, the Device Ninja's flamethrower. It would probably fit in there. But, yeah, these are pretty specialized parts, and there's not a ton of versatility in them. Um, 
you know, but I'm always interested in seeing how people uh, work work these things out. Uh, Brian Doran and Brett Lawson ask, what is the Desert Rat from Secret Bundle number one a homage to? Um, I'm not ready to reveal that yet. It will be revealed in the winter. I believe that is when that character is going to come out. I'm sort of holding him for more wintry conditions. Uh, that may give you a clue. It may not. Depends on your age, I think, also, if, if you recognize this character. But, um, yeah, that's a, that one has to remain secret for quite a bit longer, unfortunately. Chris Lucero says, When's Chapter 5 happening for Knights of the Slice comic or postcard collection? I'm a complete completionist for comics. Um, <clears throat> chapter 5, I don't believe I've written yet. I would have to go back and check. Uh, I, there are no plans anytime soon for issue number five of Nights of Slice. Pro- part of the reason is the comic book, the postcard comics have far exceeded the storyline of the full comics. And, uh, you know, I know we have a lot of new customers and new patrons. People may not remember, we had a, a second Kickstarter for Pizza Comics, which was just going to expand on issues one and two and stretch it out into you know a whole a whole story arc and that campaign did not fund it did abysmal it was terrible um so the first couple issues were sort of prepared for that kickstarter campaign and when that never happened there was no funding to kind of continue it now i've put my own cash into getting issues three and four done and then all of the postcard comics but without that campaign being successful, it sort of derailed the plan to be making toys and have a dedicated person just doing comics alongside those efforts. So that's why that sort of never, uh, you know, feasibly kind of happened and, and gave us a sort of regular output on the comics. Um, regarding postcard collection, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that, but there is a Ashcan comic on the store right now that collects all of the previous postcard comics. There might be a few omissions since it was published last year. But you can go buy that now, and it's it's a good read, and there's a lot of mini-stories in there, and it's not that expensive. It's a beautifully printed, full-color uh, book. I'm very proud of it. So if you don't have that already, definitely go check it out. Trevor Peckis asks, will there ever be a Double G Toys crossover? Um, maybe. I mean, I love George. George and I sort of worked together. George was one of my first contacts in the toy industry. I was an unpaid intern at Play Along Toys while George worked at General Giant. And our two companies were working on the Lord of the Rings Armies of Middle-Earth line. So George was sort of my contact at General Giant, and we would talk all the time and, uh, you know... Uh, arrange shipment for paint masters and touch-ups and prototypes and things like that so uh, I love George I there is a there is a pseudo uh, project coming out later this year that actually could really use a skeleton um, I am just waiting I'm just sorry for being so vague I'm just waiting for a bunch of details to kind of fall in the place to see if it's worth incorporating the uh, skeleton titan into it 
Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm totally open to it. I know George is a very busy guy, but uh, I'm not opposed by any stretch. Uh, finally, SQ says, Someone mentioned pizza coins that can be exchanged for stuff. What are those? Any picture of the coins? Um, that They're not actually coins. These are just little stickers. Um, originally in the Kickstarter, I said there was going to... There was tentatively, tentatively going to be a sort of redemption... Uh, types mail away for potentially a, a 13th figure from Action Figure of the Month Club. But pretty quickly uh, into launching the Action Figure of the Month Club, I realized there was no feasible way for me to pull that off. We were so overwhelmed, and we continue to be overwhelmed, by the simple fulfillment of um, doing the monthly mailings. So that's been next. Uh, I will see if I can find a picture, but it's just basically the Rift Killer's head and their little tiny stickers that went on the um, sexual Yokoi Rift Killer sort of uh, paper cut sticker that I'm sure a lot of you have. So it's not anything terribly interesting. Uh, there is also, or there were, metal coins that Yeti made for Knights of the Slice. Um, I don't know how many more they have on their website, but you can go check the Yeti Knights of Slice store. They may have them. That's totally unrelated. It doesn't, there's no redemption there. They don't get you anything, but they're really cool, and I like coins, and I like having my own coin. I think it's a pretty neat and pretty cool thing. One more thing I wanted to address, which I think could be a, you know, a educational topic is why do things sell out? You know, I, my, it is a common occurrence that not everybody gets everything that they want on the Night of the Slice store. And I think that's totally fair. That there is reason to sort of have criticism of the edition sizes and, you know, how these sales happen and people feel like they're getting cartjacked and X, Y, and Z. Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that people may not take into consideration, I, I think patrons understand this and probably most of the Facebook group understand this, but the casual customer may not, is that in order to have product in my store, I have to pay cash up front for all of it. And I have to pay uh, long before I have a sale for that product. And this is the same with, you know, most all independent toy makers. Bigger companies probably have padding with the factories they work with so they can get terms. They may not have to pay till 30 days after they receive goods, maybe 60 days. Um, I'm not in that position. Most companies my size are not in that position. So every single cent we have is earmarked for something. Uh, now I buy six, month to t six months to 12 months worth of product at a time. So I'm having huge shipments come over and I sit on product for a very long time. So I may cut a check, I may cut, you know, thousands of dollars in an invoice in January, and some of those goods may not be sold until December. So that's 12 months before I see a return on, on that cash. And because of that, taking a position on inventory where there's any excess is very dangerous. Because not only would I, you know, say I order 250 of a Desert Rat figure that's going to come out in December. 
if I roll that sale out in December, I will have sat on that investment for 12 months. And then if I only sell 125, I'm stuck. And not only have I sort of, you know, waited 12 months to make back any money, I'm not baking back the investment. I may not even break even on a single figure. So it's a very, very tenuous situation. And, you know, like I think of the LA Knights box set. I, I, I upped the inventory on that in a big way. And those sat for a very long time. And probably at the end of the day, I might have broken even on, on that release. I don't know that I did enough to sort of make back the type of return that I need to see on things. So under those conditions, every single unit I order, I need to know will sell. And while it is not preferable or good that some people are left without the toys they want to buy, it is a much better situation than having excess inventory. Having excess inventory will put me out of business. You know, having even more than a dozen of a style that just kind of sit and languish, that's a real problem, you know. So <clears throat> I tend to order exactly what I think I can sell. And I don't sit on a surplus of inventory. Now, there are some famous cases like the original BLT Micros Pack. I actually ordered 30% more inventory than I typically would, which is a commitment of, you know, a couple thousand dollars, which not all of us have sort of lying around. And when that sold out instantaneously, you know, it obviously it affected people. They were very upset. But, um, uh, you know, it's hard to understand that that was a gamble in and of itself. Uh, typically, like other fan groups kind of ignore Knights of the Slice. I didn't anticipate so many Micros fans coming on board for it, and I'm happy they're here. But uh, I guess when you're running an e-commerce, you're sort of a professional gambler, and you're either buying too much or too little of something. And because of production lead times, you can't really quickly amend a situation. I, I think we actually, you know, with the sellout of BLT and then offering the pre-order for EPD and then shipping it two months early, I think we actually remedied that problem in record time and in a way that bigger companies probably couldn't have done. Uh, but even so, you know, I, I didn't get BLT into every hand that wanted one, and I left some money on the table, and that's unfortunate. I think also there are other permutations that kind of set the stage for things to sell out, and specifically regarding this Device Ninja Drop and Action Figure of the Month Club and how June has gone, there are people who are understandably upset that they couldn't get what they want. Uh, historically, when there is a variant month in Kickstarter, I offer Kickstarter backers the first chance to go and purchase the variant they may or may not have gotten. Um, I then also like to include patrons in an advanced sale and then have a public sale. <clears throat> so there's sort of three layers to that. 
Now, the original figure for Action Figure of the Month for June was Royal Knight, of which I ordered plenty. There was plenty to fulfill all of June's Action Figure of the Month Club members, and there was plenty to offer an early sale to patrons, and then there was going to be some left over for a public sale as well. I went heavy on that, banking on needing to hit those three tiers to sort of satisfy everybody. <clears throat> and so, of course, my package runs late. The shipment of Royal Knights runs late. It got held up in customs for a few days. And then every other carton was released from customs and delivered with the exception of Royal. Now, I have to book my labor to come in to fulfill a week in advance. And it's not really, I don't have in-house staff. You know, I have a couple people that help part-time, Jack being, you know, the primary guy. And I, I cannot adjust based on when I think FedEx may find a missing package and then decide to deliver it. If I have labor booked to do fulfillment on that Monday, I got to put something together and I got to ship something out because the boxes are ready and the labels are here and it's time to move. So strategically, I took what were going to be two releases later on for maybe a customizing contest or something like that, the steel and the classified, and I put them into the crates, <clears throat> knowing that there was really only enough to fulfill Action Figure of the Month and then have a small public sale that would likely sell out within the first couple minutes. Now, I could have taken that excess inventory and offered it to Kickstarters, who probably were due the most the ability to go and buy the figures that they didn't get. You know, I think that their commitment to the campaign probably gave them uh, priority in that exchange. If I did that, I knew that patrons would complain that they didn't get an advanced sale, and then the public would complain that there was no public sale after that. So I had to sort of contemplate that. Another scenario would have been patrons only got to order first the steel and the classified, which would leave no... It, one, there wasn't enough for every patron, so there would have been unhappy patrons who missed that pre-order or the advanced sale. Then there would have been Kickstarter people that are not patrons that would have been upset that somebody else got access to Kickstarter inventory that they didn't get. Then, of course, the public would have been upset that there was not enough inventory for a public sale of two in-demand styles. So instead of pissing off three separate groups separately and dealing with the sort of blowback from that at different times, I decided the best thing was to put it all up for public sale, knowing it would sell out immediately, knowing Kickstarter backers would be upset, knowing patrons would be upset, and knowing the public would be upset as well, and just kind of, you know, piss everybody off at the same time and deal with the fallout from that. Uh, so June was a completely imperfect month in which we shipped two pre-order items super early and fulfilled the majority of our backer kit obligation. And because I still shipped on time and I shipped early in two cases, I consider June to be a success, even though I would have loved to have 
sort of more inventory of the device and the, you know, the device steel and the device classified to kind of go around. Um, I, my hope is that there is not any more varied months in the Action Figure of the Month Club. I think we're in a good enough position where that is achievable, but it is kind of a, it's a really soft place to land if I do, if I can sort of activate a variant month to cover some kind of shipping error production delay, of which, you know, there are an abundance of. They seem to never stop happening, actually. Um, so I just want to give you guys a little bit of insight into why the choices were made for the month of June that were, you know, fairly unpopular and why people were left without the toys they wanted to have. But uh, now you know the insight and the process. And with that, my friends, the only thing left to say is pizza out. Pizza out.